Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Now, how many of you guys are familiar with the NFL's favorite Bible verse? Anyone? I mean, you all know this. John 3.16. It's the, it's the Bible verse that's at every football game, behind the field goal. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would be saved, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, there's two key action verse, action verbs in that passage. Two key things you listen to that are like, these are things that are being done. And the first is, for God so loved. The verb, God did it. God loved. And God loved so much that he did what? That he gave. God loved us so much. And as a result of his love, he gave his son. Now we're in the second week of just a short message series called Give because love gives. God demonstrated that to us. That when you love someone, when you love something, you give. When I'm in my kitchen and I'm making dinner and my dog comes in and gives me those big dumb dog eyes, I can't help but toss her something. I just can't because I love my dog and love gives. It's just how it works. It's how love functions. Now, Jesus taught us this, that the way followers of Jesus are supposed to move and function in this world is, is love. In fact, he said this, that all of the law and the prophets, all of the commandments of the Old Testament, everything in the Bible is wrapped up in one command. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus simplifies everything. So if you ever wondered, what does it mean to really be a Christian? What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? Boil it down. Love God with all you have and love everyone else the way that you want people to love you. If you love God with all you have and you love people with all you have and you see that love played out in reality in your life, you will have summed up everything that it means to be a follower of Jesus. Every box that you think needs to be checked off will be checked off if you love God with all your heart and love people as yourself. But you're saying love gives. And if love gives, we talked about this last week, and loving God and loving people are priorities. Last week we talked about what does it mean to love God with giving? How do we, how do we love God with the way we give? And we talked about that last week. We talked about how, how when we love God, we give extravagantly to him. We don't worry about necessarily, we're not worried about what it's going to. We don't worry about what that money could have been spent on. We don't worry about our own priorities first. Because love says this, I love God with all my heart. I'm going to extravagantly give when I have, when I have it available. I want to see his kingdom moved in advance. That's what I give to God. This week I want to talk about what does giving look like in terms of loving people. What does it look like for a follower of Jesus to love people with our, our generosity, with giving our time, our talent, our, our, our financial resources? What does that look like? And so I want to look at this passage um, from Luke chapter 19. This is a story from the life of Jesus. We've talked about this before, but we've never really looked at it from this angle. So I'm excited to share this with you. So in Luke chapter 19, it starts this way. Jesus entered Jericho and he made his way through the town. There's a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. Now that's important. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. Okay. He was in charge. He was the number one tax collector in the area. And, and as a result, he'd become very rich. Now he tried to get a look at Jesus when Jesus was coming through town. Jesus was very famous. He'd been doing these miracles and his teaching was so incredible. People loved hearing his stories. And so when Jesus hit town, people wanted to see the show and Zacchaeus was like that. And so he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. 
So Zacchaeus ran ahead of the crowd, pushes everybody out of the way, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road so that he could see Jesus because Jesus was going to pass that way. Now Zacchaeus, like the best way to describe him, I think just to kind of to relate him to just characters we're familiar with, Zacchaeus was like Scrooge, right? He was this guy who made a lot of money. He, he was a penny pincher. He, he took advantage of other people. He wasn't kind. I mean, tax collectors really back in, back then in, in Judea, in Jerusalem, in that area, they were typically Jewish people, but the Roman government that was occupying Jerusalem and, and Israel, the Roman government would hire Jewish guys to collect taxes for Rome. And so all these Jewish tax collectors were looked at as, as traitors to their nation. People hated them and they were kind of scumbags. I mean, they would, they would charge taxes to people to pay Rome, but they would charge more than Rome demanded and they would pocket the rest. I mean, that's how Zacchaeus got rich. He didn't get rich because Rome paid so well. He got rich because if Rome demanded a dollar, then Zacchaeus would demand $2. And if a good Jew didn't pay their $2, then Zacchaeus would get the Roman government and there might be trouble. So people had to pay their $2, a dollar to Rome and a dollar to Zacchaeus's pocket. That was Zacchaeus. That was, that was really just who he was. He was kind of I mean, he was kind of a scumbag. He was like Scrooge, except he was little Scrooge, because, mini Scrooge, if you will, because he was, he was very short. And so Zacchaeus, he literally, he couldn't see over the crowds when Jesus passed through. Now, I imagine that Zacchaeus, when he was busting through the crowds, that people immediately knew who he was. Zacchaeus was the number one tax collector in the area. That means this, that like in terms of like what he did, there were people who worked for him. So Zacchaeus, he was not, Zacchaeus wasn't the guy who broke legs, okay? Zacchaeus was the guy who told his guys to go break legs if you didn't pay your taxes. That was who he was. People knew who he was. They didn't want anything to do with him. He was notorious. And so when Zacchaeus is running through the crowd and pushing through, everyone's like, ugh, ugh. And he gets up and he climbs a tree because Jesus is passing and Jesus just wants to see him. He's curious. So when Jesus came by, He passes by the area that Zacchaeus is up in this tree. He looked up at Zacchaeus. And this is crazy. He called him by name. Okay, this is one of two things. This means one of two things. Either that Jesus miraculously knew who Zacchaeus was. And I wouldn't put that past Jesus. That Jesus just called Zacchaeus' name out because he had a plan for this moment. That is very possible. It could also mean that Zacchaeus was so notorious because he was the chief tax collector in the area. That anyone who'd spent time in this area knew who Zacchaeus was. It's, it's just as likely that Jesus recognized Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the area. And the story continues. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, just quick, come down. He says, I must be a guest at your home today. And Zacchaeus is like, what? Nobody wants anything to do with him. And Zacchaeus, he shoots down from the tree. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. And he's like, all right. He took Jesus. Jesus, who's probably now the most famous man in the area. He takes Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. And, and right, Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was a spiritual Jewish leader. People looked up to him. People wanted to hear his teachings. People admired him. And Jesus calls the most dirty, notorious, mean, taken advantage of people scumbag in the entire area and says, I must eat at your house today. And in fact, look at what people do. Zacchaeus comes down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Zacchaeus is stoked, but the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest in the house of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Can you believe this guy? 
And this is what happens when they say it. Their voice just gets higher and higher. Can you believe this guy? What is this guy doing? That's unbelievable. And what I love about this, like Jesus had problems with religious leaders everywhere he went, right? Because the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders at the time were threatened by Jesus's power because the people flocked to Jesus. And they were threatened by that. And they were threatened by things that Jesus was teaching that they felt like were in conflict with the things that they were teaching. But what's, so Jesus, everywhere, everywhere Jesus went, Jesus had conflict with religious leaders. But here, it doesn't say that, well, the religious leaders were completely upset and they grumbled to themselves because Jesus was going to the house of a notorious sinner. It says the people. See, now Jesus, Jesus might mess around with hanging out with someone who had leprosy. Jesus maybe might mess around hanging out with someone who was crippled uh, or who was poor in poverty, a beggar. I mean, Jesus was known to, to hang around uh, women who were prostitutes at the time. And maybe people would be totally cool with that. They could get down with that. The re- religious leaders never. But the people could be like, man, his mercy, his love. This guy's incredible. But the second Jesus said he's going to hang out with the guy who I've been paying double taxes to. Uh-uh. And the people, all the people... They started grumbling. See, what Jesus did when Jesus called Zacchaeus down, he wasn't just saying, I'm going to hang out with this guy. Jesus, it wasn't just this typical Jesus demonstrating his love to people on the fringes because Zacchaeus wasn't on the fringes. Zacchaeus stood on the backs of people on the fringes to take their money to line his pockets so that he could have a nice house, so he could have a lot of food to throw a big feast, so he could have big parties at his house. And if it was in the Roman tradition, which it likely was, he would have tons of alcohol and tons of people and tons of prostitutes in his home when he threw parties. That's who Zacchaeus was. And when the people saw Jesus wanting to hang out with Zacchaeus, uh uh-uh. But Jesus, I mean, here, this is, this is pretty amazing. Zacchaeus, he, he's notorious for being a bad guy. And Jesus, he threatens his fan base, right? Jesus puts his, his fan base at risk, his following. People who are probably financially supporting his ministry. He puts them at risk to go and hang out in the home of Zacchaeus. But here's what's amazing as we continue reading this story. And we're going to see this. Even though Zacchaeus was a bad guy known for taking advantage of people, what we're going to find is this, that when Jesus is invited into a life, things change. When Jesus is invited into someone's home, things start to change. And this is what happens. The story continues. That meanwhile, people are grumbling. But meanwhile, while everyone is grumbling, Jesus goes over to his house. They eat. They have a feast. He spends time with Jesus. Jesus is is chatting it up with him. He's talking to him. Zacchaeus has experienced the love of Jesus. He's experienced the teachings of this incredible man who he just was so curious about. And meanwhile, while he's experiencing what Jesus is teaching and what Jesus is, is, is saying to him, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he says this. He says, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. And I tell you what, not only will I take all of my wealth, my bank account, will I just empty it in half and give half of it to people who are poor and in need, but I will do this. If I have cheated people, I love how Zacchaeus says, if I have cheated people. It's like, God, if that was a thing I did, (laughs) but he says, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. I'm going to take all my wealth. Slice it in half, half of it just to people who are poor and in need. I've got everything I need. I've got so much. And if there are people, 
In the years of being a chief tax collector that I have taken, that I've hurt, people who I've taken advantage of, people who are in a worse off position because of what I did, then I want to make that right. And he says, not only am I going to pay them back what I took advantage of them, but I'm going to give them four times as much as I took advantage of. Now here's what we, here's what's important for us to grasp. Zacchaeus met Jesus. Zacchaeus invited Jesus into his home, invited Jesus into his life, and he experienced Jesus's love. And in response to experiencing the transformational love of Jesus, what did Zacchaeus do? He gave. In response to inviting Jesus into his home, into his life, and experience the life-changing love that God gave him, Zacchaeus gave. He said, I'm going to make everything right that I've done wrong, and I'm going to help others who don't have what I have. And I'm going to do that because I experienced the love of Jesus. It's like, it's like Scrooge, right, on Christmas morning when he throws open the window and he you know, throws a gold coin out to a kid to buy a goose. And he's like, everything's changed for me. And he, you know, he pays Tiny Tim's medical bills and he gives Bob Cratchit his job back. Zacchaeus has a Scrooge on Christmas Day moment because he experienced the love of Jesus. And, and check this out. Not only do we see that this transformation happened in Zacchaeus? That as a result of, of experiencing Jesus' love and experience, experiencing Jesus being invited into his home and into his life, did he give? But look at what Jesus said. And what Jesus says after this, I think, is probably the key thing in this passage that speaks to us about the importance of what we're talking about today. Jesus responded to what Zacchaeus said. I'm going to give to the poor. And I'm going to make it all right. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. Because this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Son of Abraham, a term that they used saying, this is, a, this is a son of God. This is a child of faith. This is a person who is fully committed to God. And then Jesus says this, for the son of man, speaking of himself, he says, for I came to seek and save those who were lost. So let me just break this down. Let me make it very clear what Jesus is saying here. Okay, Jesus wants everyone to know and understand this. Zacchaeus was lost. He was broken. He had money. He had people who'd come over to his house and party with him. You know, he had a job that paid his bills. He was famous, I guess, in a way. But Zacchaeus was lost. He was broken. And Jesus said, I came to seek out people just like him. And he says this, not only did I come to seek and save people like him, but I want everyone who sees this, I want you all to know that this man, this chief tax collector, who's admitted that he's taken advantage of people forever, right? Because the people, what did the people want? The people wanted Zacchaeus to be brought out and they wanted Jesus to whip off his belt and, you know, one, two, three, four. I mean, that's what the people wanted Jesus to do to Zacchaeus. They wanted him to be punished. That's what they expected because Zacchaeus took advantage of people. But Jesus said this, this man who took advantage, who's been taking advantage of you for years, this man who's been leading other people, who's their boss, telling them to take advantage of you for years, I want you to know this, that salvation has come to this man today. Now, when you read the Gospels, Jesus doesn't say that very often. It's not very often that Jesus points to somebody and says, 
I want everybody to know that this person was lost, but now they are saved. This person was far from God, no hope, broken, and now they are saved. And what was the thing that happened in the middle of this? What is the thing that Jesus wants to make sure everybody sees and understands? What was Zacchaeus's response to Jesus's love? The outward expression was generosity. Zacchaeus gave. Zacchaeus' response to Jesus coming into his life, experiencing his love, was generosity. Zacchaeus gave. And Jesus, in seeing that, said, Everyone stop. See this? This is proof. This is what happens when someone experiences me and when someone moves over from death to life. They give. They, they care about other people. They want to make a difference in the lives of people who are just, just like they used to be, who are far from me, and they want to make a difference in them. Because here's the main point. When Jesus is invited, when Jesus is invited in, it results in generosity towards those in need. When we invite Jesus in genuinely and truly, it will always result in generosity towards those in need. Why? Because love gives. And we love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And we love people. And a man who is the greediest person in town now became the most generous person in town because he experienced Jesus' love and he invited it in. It's a proof. It's an unmistakable result. Generosity towards people who are poor, who are hurting, who are broken is an unmistakable result of Jesus' transformation in your life. How do you know if salvation has come into your life? How do you know if salvation has come into your home? How do you know if salvation has come into the life of someone who you, who's your friend or someone you're observing in church? How do you know? Well, I can tell you one way. You can look into their life and you can see that they're like Zacchaeus. You can see that they are generous towards people who are poor and pe- people who are hurting, and people who are in need. How do you know if you were lost, but now you're found? You're generous towards people who are poor, and you're people who are in need. How do you know if you are a true son or daughter of God? A true son or daughter of Abraham, like Jesus described Zacchaeus to be. You give to reach and to help others. You're generous towards those things. We've all heard the term pay it forward, right? It's it's that principle where, you know, someone does something nice for you. um, You know, you go to Aldi, someone gives you their cart, so you don't have to put a quarter in it. And so when you go out, what do you do? You give someone else your your cart, so they don't have to put a quarter in. You pay it forward. Someone does something nice for you, you do it for them. Or, you know, Starbucks. You know, every once in a while, someone will like, you'll pull up to Starbucks, you'll get your drink, and they'll be like, I just want you to know the car in front of you paid for your drink. And you're like, yeah, they paid for my drink. But then you're like, oh, well, that means I got to pay for someone else's drink sometimes. I got to pay it forward. It's what we do. You pay it forward. It's just, it's a principle. And the thing, that, that principle applies to our spiritual lives too. Because think about, think about this. Think about, about Jesus. How do people experience Jesus' love today? Because Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was just right there. He saw him in person. And Jesus is like, hey, bro, can I just come hang out with you? And Zacchaeus is like, all right. And Jesus comes into his home. Jesus was right there. How do people experience Jesus' love today? It's different. Jesus is not here physically. It's not, it's not the same as it was with Zacchaeus. We can't see him. We can't touch him. How do people experience, experience Jesus' love? They experience it through us. People experience Jesus' love because people who are followers of Jesus demonstrate that love to people who need to experience it. 
to people who need to know it. A genuine demonstration of the love of Jesus that someone showed to us. And then what do we do? We pay that love forward. And that Jesus' generosity, I mean, you can see it in Zacchaeus' life. Because here's what, you know what Zacchaeus could have done? Zacchaeus could have, could have said this. He said, Jesus, you have shown your love to me. And it is so important to me that other people experience that love that I want to fund your ministry for a year. And I'm just going to, I'll pay to send you, I'll pay for your donkey rentals. You know, I'll pay for your hotel rooms. I will pay for all of those things. And I'll just send you out because I want everyone to experience your love. So Jesus, go to their house and then go to their house and then go to their house. And all these, there's all these poor people in our town, Jesus, and they need to experience your love. I'll fund you. So go to their house, go to Jesus. I want to make sure that you can get to everybody. But even then, when Jesus was on the ground, that's not how it worked. Jesus demonstrated his love to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus's response was to demonstrate that same love to others himself through his generosity. He didn't say, Jesus, I'm going to fund this so you can love others. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give this so I can love others. And that is the heartbeat of a follower of Jesus. That's the heartbeat of what true Christian faith is all about. It's about us loving others, whatever it costs us, whatever it means for us. It's about putting the the priority of other people first in exactly the way that Jesus did. And when we do that, man, when we live with generosity, towards people in need, you know what Jesus does? He looks down at this and goes, that's a real son of Abraham right there. You're a real son of an Abraham right there. (laughs) You can tweet that. I coined it. (laughs) Jesus looks at us when we are, when we are generous and he goes, see, I knew that guy. I knew that gal was really saved. I knew it. I want everyone to see that she's mine because you can see it. Because I came to seek and save the lost who she's being generous in order to reach with my, with my message, with my love, with help and support to help meet their needs, physical and spiritual. And I want you to know this. Compass is about this stuff. We have always been about this stuff as a church. Now understand this. When I talk about as a church, I'm not talking about like me and a couple other leaders sitting around, you know, making decisions. I'm talking about us the church, not a building, not what we're moving into. Like I talked to Jeff Hersey this morning and I loved what he said. He's talking about how he's excited about getting into the new building. He's like, you know, and I I realized I keep, I was calling it the church and I was like, but it's not, I need to start calling it the new building because we are the church and he could not be more right. That's just our building. That's just a place we're going to go kind of live for a while. We are the church, right? And when the church lives out the mission of Jesus to go and make disciples, And to do it not only with our words, but with our love and by meeting the needs of the people who we're called to love and we're called to reach. Man, that's what God's created us and designed us to do. And that's when we're effective. And I want you to know, we put our money where our mouth is here at Compass. Like in our budget, we budget things that are designed to help people. We support, I've talked about this a bunch of the times, but I'm going to say it again because it matters. We support Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is an organization that they feed hungry kids around the world, that they train women in third world countries with, with, with the, the skills to have a job so they can be entrepreneurs, so they can, they can, they can work and provide for their families. 
They, they train and teach young men and women around the world to be farmers in, in areas where food is scarce and it's, and, it's, and it's difficult to grow and they don't have the resources to do it. And they don't, they don't just train young people to be farmers. They teach them how and then they give them all that they need to get it started. They give them the seed. They give them the tools so that these farmers can be reproducing and self-sustaining and that they can go and teach someone else to do exactly what they did. We fund that. Convoy of Hope does disaster relief. There's a hurricane, a tornado, fires in California. Convoy of Hope is on the ground. We fund that. We support it. Why? Because we believe in being generous towards people in need. We fund and support the Forgotten Initiative, an organization here in town. And we do a lot with them. We've talked to them all the time. One thing I love about the Forgotten Initiative, they literally started the exact same time that Compass Church started. And so it's been very cool to kind of watch their organization grow and their impact grow at the same time that God has been growing our church and watching our impact grow. But we support them because they make a difference in the lives of, of children in foster care. And they make a difference in the lives of families at risk and, and young moms and young dads who don't know how to raise their kids and don't know how to parent and are at risk of losing their, chid, their kids to the system or kids who need to be taken and put in the system because they are at such risk in their own homes. And we fund that and we are a part of that and we give generously towards that. Why? Because those kids matter. And that's how we can love them. It makes a difference. There, I mean, there, there's other things that we do. We, we support, uh, we, we, we have benevolence where we help people in our congregation and outside of our congregation who are just honestly in, in dire need. And in moments where it's just like, we all have moments in our lives where everything seems to fall apart. And there's times in, in the lives of people in our church and sometimes outside where people just things fall apart for them and they need help. And you gave the compass and you helped support them when they couldn't make it, when they were going to lose their home when they were going to lose, lose their electricity or their water on no, by no faults of their own, but just because of life circumstances, we fund that. Why? Because people in need matter to Jesus and they matter to us and it's how we show love. We've, we've uh, in the past, we've worked to support an organization called the A21 Campaign. These guys are awesome. They are a, a huge global organization that is just fighting human trafficking around the globe. They fight it by, by trying to get young women and children out of sex trafficking. They have homes for, for women and children who, who are out afterwards to, to train them and to give them the resources because a massive percentage of people who come out of trafficking, if they're not caught, if they're not resourced and cared for, they go right back into it because it's all that they know. They have lawyers and attorneys who are fighting against human trafficking. And like a huge percentage of the cases that they fight that traffickers go to prison because A21 campaign attorneys were involved. These are the things that we care about. These are the things that we fight for. These are the things that our church, that you, when you give, that you are involved in, that you're giving funds and supports these things. And here's the thing, you need to give to support these things. It's important. You need to do it. But this generosity towards other people, it goes beyond, you know, finding nonprofit organizations who are doing it well. That's key because they're doing it well, but that, it, that goes beyond that. It goes just keeping our eyes open in our own lives. What's happening around me in my world? What's happening just at the grocery store with me? I'm going to tell a story about my wife and she's going to hate that I'm doing this, but I'm going to because it's awesome. A couple weeks ago, my wife was at Aldi and she was grocery shopping. And I'll just, just so you know, we have three kids and when they were little, they were all in diapers at the same time. And so when she would go grocery shopping, she'd have them all there in the cart and... 
It's the closest thing to a hell on earth that I could probably describe to you. So if you've never been in that situation, just picture that. And so, anyway, so a couple weeks ago, she was at Aldi, and there was, there was a, a single mom in front of her with, with her little kids in the cart. And, and, and Tina's just like, oh my gosh. She is just like I was. She's like, ugh. And the lady gets up there, and she's got her cart full. And if you know Aldi, like, you know that the line can just go pushed way back. And there's tons of people. It's just chaos. I personally never go in. I'll wait in the car and let Terry go in. But she's in the line. And there's just people everywhere. And this lady has a full cart. And the cart goes up. And the person's checking it out and checking it out. And they say, it's, you know, however much money that you owe for the groceries. She starts rifling through her wallet. And her kids are in the car. It's like, ah, mommy, yeah, I want to go. And people behind her are looking at their watches. And they're tapping their feet. Which is, again, what I would be doing. Which is why I wait in the van. And they're just like... And she's feeling the pressure, and, and she's like, oh, I do not have any money, and I do not have a card. Oh. And the person's like, well, I mean, I guess I could, I could maybe, like, hold this stuff up here, and so you can go get it and, and come back. And she's like, um, yeah. And the kid's like, mommy, what's going on? Mommy, mommy. And she's embarrassed, and she's frustrated, and I know because we've been there. And she's just like, oh. And she's like, yeah, just, I guess just keep it here or put it back or just whatever. And so she grabs the cart and she's going to push the kids out. Face is red. She's frustrated. And Terry, she goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. She's like, I got this. Terry gives the person her card and she's like, I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like to have little kids at Aldi. And honestly, I mean, true. We know what it's like to be completely broke and have nothing and be in a situation where somebody helped us. We know what it's like. (laughs) We know what it's like to work at a church but go to another church's food pantry to get food for the week. We know what it's like to be poor like that. And she's like, we know we've been there. And she's like, just let me help you. And the lady's just like, oh my gosh, thank you. And she's getting teary. And, and it was awesome. And I love it because that's just who Terry is. She's done that probably dozens of times in her life. She's done it so often that when she told me, I was like, yeah, typical. I, I, but we budgeted for it probably at this point. And so... And so, so the lady goes out with her kid, and, and then Terry's walking out. And the only thing that made the story a little weird, I mean, it was a super win. The only thing that made this story weird was that Terry's walking out, and a woman, another woman who saw it, she comes out, and she's like, Thank you for showing the love of Jesus! And then she, then she goes to the other lady, And thank you for receiving the love of Jesus! And Terry's like, I mean, I was definitely showing the love of Jesus. I was trying to not make it weird, but. (laughs) But my point in that is this, is that we are surrounded by people who are in need all the time. And we have the Home Sweet Home Mission, and we have the Salvation Army, and we have things in our community that care for people who are very poor and in need. Midwest Food Bank, we have those organizations that we can fund and we can partner with and be supportive of. But I'm telling you, there are people in your lives, and they're standing in line in front of you at the grocery store. And there are people at the gas station, and they're standing by their car, and they're on empty, and they're just looking around, trying to make eye contact with someone who they think might be kind enough to fill up their gas tank because it's empty. They're not going to be able to make it anywhere, and they have no money. These people are around us every single day. And when we are generous to people in need, our Father in Heaven looks down on us, and He's like, yeah, that's my kid. That's what my kids do, right? Right? Real son of an Abraham right there. (laughs) 
So I'm going to wrap up with this thought. And just, just a question to ask yourself, okay? Just in your life. Because, I mean, this is... We all have different resources. We all have different amounts of time that we can give to people. We all have different amount, amounts of financial resources that we can give. And we all have different talents that we can, that we can be generous with towards people who are in need. But just the, the, the question that we can all ask ourselves is this. is What does your giving say about the transformation that's happened in your life by the love of Jesus? What does your generosity say about your level of trans- transformation? If we looked at your QuickBooks or we looked at your checkbook, would your bank balance or would what you spend on, would it show that you've truly invited Jesus into your home? Or would it maybe show that you've invited Jesus into your entryway? And maybe let Jesus take his shoes off, but let's just hang out up here because I'm not sure I'm ready to bring you all the way back in here yet. What does your generosity say about the transformation that's happened in your life? Because two things, right? Jesus cares about the people whose lives we can make a difference in with our generosity. But Jesus cares about the transformation that's happening in your life as well. Jesus wants to change you. He wants to make you different. He wants to set you free and make you better. And so many of us are dragging along those same things we've been carrying along for years. I've been part of Compass for three years and I still have these same problems and I just keep dragging them along and I keep pulling them along behind me. And could I just venture that this argument, could I just maybe say that perhaps you have not fully invited Jesus into your home yet? Maybe Jesus is up on the front porch because you said, this is good, but that's as far as you can go. And perhaps an examination of your generosity, how you give to others with your time, with your talent, and with your treasure, might be the measuring stick of the transformation that's happened in your life. And can I tell you, Jesus has freedom for you in every area of your life. The freedom is not, about, the freedom is not something we purchase with our generosity. Our generosity is a... Is an outward reflection of the transformation that Jesus has done in our lives. And when Jesus showed Zacchaeus love, Zacchaeus gave. He couldn't not. Because you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Love gives, and when Jesus changes us, we can't help but give. Being generous to God, his priorities, his kingdom, and being generous with others to make a difference in the lives of people in need, who are in need of rescue, who are in need of, of, of healing, who are in need of provision, who are in need of help, who are in need of the gospel. That's, that's, that's this, that's who we are. And Jesus has put us in a place where he loves us, and then we can demonstrate that love by paying it forward. And my question is this, will you be a link in that Jesus chain? to demonstrate God's love to the next person in line at Aldi's? Will you be the next link in the Jesus chain to demonstrate that love to someone else who is hurting and broken and in need? I will. Will you join me? Father, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you that I know that you have given each and every single one of these people a genuine heart to love other people. And to help people who are in need and who are hurting and in broken circumstances and situations. God, I know that is the heartbeat of our church. But God, I pray this. Before we even start talking about the giving, I pray this, God. I pray that you would help us to fully invite you into our homes and into our lives. Because, God, what we truly need is Jesus' change and Jesus' transformation. And I know and I believe with all my heart that our generosity is an outward expression of that. But, Father, I pray for every single person in this room who's maybe evaluated themselves and says, you know what, that's just not really who I am. 
I don't see that in my life. I don't see that when I examine how I give or my generosity. I pray for them as well as I pray for myself, God, that you would continue to do a greater work of transformation in our hearts. God, we want to be more like Jesus, whatever that looks like, whatever that costs us and wherever it leads us. Because I believe that a life following Jesus is the best life I could ever live. And so I embrace that transformation exactly the same way that the dirtiest dirtbag in Jerusalem, Zacchaeus, did. And he was changed by the love of Jesus. And he moved from being lost to found. Jesus, we love you. And I thank you, God, for what you're doing in us and in this church. And I pray all of this in your wonderful and holy name, God. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.